there's a reason that we get a little bit sleepy in the afternoon, why some cultures have a siesta in the afternoon. It's because there's a natural drop in circadian rhythm that comes there. But to actually harness the power of your circadian rhythm, what you're going to want to do after your water is get some sunlight on your body. Because not only is your skin receptive to the sunlight, but your eyes are receptive to the sunlight, your inner ears are receptive to the sunlight, and that signals to the circadian rhythm, it's morning time. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone. Aubrey, welcome to Mind Valley. Yeah, thank you, brother. Happy to be here. So, first, before we start, Aubrey, I want to give a big shout out for your book, and I want to encourage uh, the Mind Valley audience to follow you on Instagram. It's Aubrey Marcus, A U B R E Y Marcus. Aubrey, I began reading your book to prepare for our dialogue today. The book I'm reading right now is Own the Day, Own Your Life. And, guys, I want you to go check out this book on Amazon Own the Day, Own Your Life. You'll notice the huge amount of five star ratings it's gotten. And I'm going to tell you why in a moment. Now, Aubrey has a second book coming out in April 2022. Why so late, Aubrey? That's called Master Your Mind, Master Your Life. So if you go to iBooks or Amazon, you type in Aubrey Marcus, you'll see both books, the one that's released now and the one that's coming up. Now, Aubrey, for the purpose of the conversation today, we can go in either direction. But I want to give you kudos for your style of writing and the powerful tips that you put in that book. I'm going to share later today what I learned from you and what I applied in my life starting this weekend as a result of your advice. So firstly, welcome to Mind Valley. Thank you, brother. Yeah, happy to be here. And really, that's what it's all about. You know, there's a great place for philosophy and a place to learn about different ideas and explore different concepts. But if you have nothing that you can actually do and take away from that, well, you're missing a big piece of how to apply that to your life. So Own the Day is really about taking every section of the day and not only explaining what the best practice would be for a day. And a, and a day that's not just about work. It's not just about productivity. It's about time to play. It's about loving your family. It's about getting good sleep. It's about having good sex. It's about doing the full, robust, holistic life that we all want to live. But how do you do that the best way? You know, what are some of the tips and tools and techniques you can use? So I'm glad you got some things out of it right away because that's uh, that's a big part of it. And, you know, it's about making every day the best day that it could possibly be. So here's what I'd like to do today. I want to ensure that this conversation isn't just you and me riffing on our philosophies or advice. I want us to actually provide our audience here today with concrete ideas and steps that they can apply starting tomorrow to own their day. In fact, maybe even start today. So, Aubrey, in chapter one of the book, you share an idea which which I just thought was really cool. And I want to share the idea with your permission because I'm going to start this tomorrow. So the idea is basically this. Most of us wake up in the morning and we start with our default cup of coffee. And what Aubrey says is that There are issues with that. Aubrey, I'm going to ask Aubrey to go into deeper detail in a moment. Instead, he said, what you got to do is take 12 ounces of water and consume that, but not just 12 ounces of water. There are two special ingredients you have to add to the water, and that 
is how you want to start your day. Now, Aubrey goes on to suggest a couple of other things, getting out and getting sunlight, and then, oddly enough, naked wrestling with your lover. We'll talk about that. So, Aubrey... That's the bonus level, Bishan. That's the bonus level. So let's cover all of these things, because this, I think, is the perfect introduction to your philosophy. And if we have time, we'll go into other tips. But I'd love for you to start with these ideas from chapter one of your book. Well, a lot of us really understand the concept that when you wake up in the morning, you're lighter on the scale. You weigh less, right? And everybody says, oh, you weigh less in the morning. Well, why do you weigh less in the morning? You weigh less in the morning because you're dehydrated, because the air that you breathe in is a certain humidity that's a lot more dry than the moist air that you're breathing out of your moist body. So every time you breathe, you're losing a little bit of hydration. And as we sleep, we're not consuming any more water. Maybe we have a little cup of water by the bed. But for the most part, we're breathing out a lot of moist air and breathing in a lot drier air. So we end up losing, and then sometimes we sweat as well. So we end up losing one to two pounds of water every time we sleep. So the most important thing, and it doesn't take a lot more than that to start to feel the effects of dehydration. So the most important thing is to get rehydrated. But we're not a freshwater animal. You know, we're 70% water, but that's salt water. So when you drink your water first thing in the morning to replenish what you've lost overnight, adding a pinch of sea salt is actually going to be what rehydrates you in the best way because you need those electrolytes as well. It would be like if you depleted a saltwater aquarium and then all you did was add distilled fresh water back in that tank. Well, the fish would ultimately not like that very much because they're, they're saltwater fish and we're a saltwater fish. You know, we're a saltwater mammal. So making sure that you add a little bit of sea salt in that 12 ounces, I'd say about three grams, that will rehydrate you and get you all the electrolytes to nourish your muscles. And it's used in so many different processes. Sea salt has over 60 different minerals. That's why it's important to use that versus table salt, which has three, sodium, chloride, iodine. Sea salt has over 60, some say up to 84 different minerals. So add and a little Aubrey, bit of that. You, you mentioned mm -hmm. a specific type of sea salt. Let's go into yeah. that detail. So Himalayan sea salt has an advantage, and the advantage is, is that it comes from the seas from such a long time ago. You know, these deposits were from ancient, ancient seas that were long before any of the oceans had any pollution. So if we're drawing sea salt out of the water now, unfortunately, as we all know, the oceans are getting quite polluted, whether it's any variety of chemical or oil or whatever we might find in the ocean, it's actually going to condense in the salt to a slight degree. But if we go back 60 million years to those deposits of the ancient seas in the Himalayas, well, that's going to be absolutely pristine condition. And also the pink color of the Himalayan sea salt, that's actually a little bit of iron. And a lot of us need to get a little bit more iron in our diet anyways. So the iron is what gives it the pink color. So there's several advantages to the Himalayan salt versus any regular sea salt. And there's a second ingredient that you recommend we add to water. So adding a little squeeze of lemon. And this is just going to be an extra boost of some nutrients that you're going to get. There's bioflavonoids, there's vitamin C, there's all the enzymes that come from that citrus that's going to actually make the water and the more, I call it the morning mineral cocktail. It's going to make it taste better. 
it's also going to start giving you some additional nutrients to help support your immune system, to help just get you in the right condition and actually get your stomach prepared for, you know, the breakfast that's ultimately going to come. And it's that combination of the salt and the lemon and the water that is one of the most significant tips that people have taken away from the book because it changes things. Because if you go straight to the coffee, coffee is ultimately dehydrating. Your body is trying to flush the caffeine out of your system. So you can very quickly get yourself in a hydration deficit. But if you wait and you do the morning mineral cocktail, it's just going to set you off and set your body off in a completely different way. Because the effects of dehydration are not pretty. I mean, you'll have brain fog, you'll have confusion, you'll have lethargy. So really, this is a, the optimal way. The first thing you do when you wake up is go for that morning mineral cocktail. I love that, Aubrey. And here's why I so wanted you to share that tip. So many of us forget that. We are just not aware of the science. And this is what science tells us. If you are dehydrated, your metabolic rate slows down by as much as 4%. Now, that 4% doesn't sound like much. But if you actually look at how human beings burn calories... The calories that you burn from exercise is only about 5%. So a metabolic rate slowdown of 4% is almost like it almost neutralizes the exercise you might do for that day. And it comes from dehydration. But there's a second reason I really like what you said. I was interviewing Dr. Nicole LaPera, who wrote one of the top books right now on Amazon. And she shares a story of a woman that she was consulting who had MS, uh, multiple sclerosis. And this woman changed her life, according to Dr. Nicola Pera, by starting with one single habit, reminding herself to drink a glass of water every morning. Now, you may be wondering, like, how do you change your life with a glass of water, right? Because of habit <laughs> stacking. You start with one good habit. Like, how easy it is, how easy is it to get a glass of water and start drinking that tomorrow with lemon, with Himalayan salt? But then after you do that, you feel better. But that little bit better influences you to take the next step and the next step and the next step. And soon you start stacking on new ideas, new behaviors, new processes. And you write about that in your book. There's a beautiful paragraph in the introduction of your book where you talk about how little steps create the perfect day and the perfect day creates the perfect life. Tell us about that. There's an old saying that says, you know, the one who would move a mountain first begins by moving small stones. We can get so lost in this end goal of a perfect day. Well, a perfect day, a day is a long time. You know, so what is a perfect day? It has to be broken down to small little steps. And that's what we try to do in the book. What's the next best little step? And then that builds momentum. Not only does it prove to yourself that you're actually committed, it sends that signal that says, I'm committed to have the best day possible because I'm doing the next best step. So psychologically, it's important. But then also physiologically, when you're hydrated, you're going to feel a little bit better. And, and then that might lead you to, okay, now I feel like I can get a little bit of movement and get right. a little bit of sunlight, set my circadian rhythm. That feels good. And then all of a sudden, when it comes time to decide whether to go to the gym or not or whether to work out, which is usually a pretty close decision. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. You just have that little bit of energy and you have that little bit of psychological support that says, I can do this. I got this. I feel good. I've made some good choices. So you reach a tipping point where everything starts to get stacked in your favor. But that's why it's so important to start the day off with these steps that help you tilt that in towards your advantage. And you don't just stop there. 
what is the next step? So let's go further. Yeah. After that glass of water, what do we do then? Well, the body is regulated by something called circadian rhythm, and that's what lets us know when we should be awake and when we should go to sleep. Now, in our world of electronic lights and things, we can often throw the circadian rhythm off, but it still exists. It's still riding this undercurrent, controlling our hormones, controlling our energy levels. There's a reason that we get a little bit sleepy in the afternoon. Why? Some cultures have a siesta in the afternoon. It's because there's a natural drop in circadian rhythm that comes there. But to actually harness the power of your circadian rhythm, what you're going to want to do after your water is get some sunlight on your body. Because not only is your skin receptive to the sunlight, but your eyes are receptive to the sunlight, your inner ears are receptive to the sunlight, and that signals to the circadian rhythm, it's morning time. And it's morning time, and it's time to get shit done. It's time to go out there. And and own the day, and so if you get just even ten minutes of sunlight, that's going to actually signal to your body that it's time to wake up, and you won't need that coffee or you won't need that caffeine first thing. The other signal for the circadian rhythm is movement, and I'm not talking a big workout. And this is where you mentioned naked wrestling. If you have a partner in bed and you're both waking up, and you just kind of tussle around and play with each other. That's just going to get your heart rate up a little bit. It's going to signal, okay, it's morning time. It's time to play. Just like the little cats that I have here in the house. You know, they'll wake up in the morning, they'll stretch, you know, and then they'll start wrestling with each other. And they know, they know that it's time to wake up and it's time to play. And so naturally, you know, if we tap into these natural undercurrents of the animal that's underneath the mind and underneath the consciousness, but the animal itself, pay attention to that. It's going to pay dividends through our entire being, from our physical being to our mental being, our emotional being, and our spiritual being, because everything's going to start working in the optimal way. Beautiful. I love this. So I want you guys who are watching today to write this down. When you wake up in the morning, 12 ounces of water, and with Himalayan salt and lemon, and then get some sunlight, especially those of you in northern countries like where I am right now, and then third. Naked wrestling. Just write down naked wrestling. When, if you, when you stick this on your wall, write down naked wrestling and wait for the sheer amount of questions you're going to get from your friends or loved ones. Aubrey, if we don't have a partner to wrestle naked with, what type of early morning physical activity do you recommend? It could be a 10-minute yoga. You know, it could be a 10-minute yoga flow, some sun salutations. It could be some push-ups. It could be some jumping jacks. I like to swim a few laps in my pool really anything that you're doing. We're not talking about a workout. We're just talking about getting some movement in. You could out, go out and take your dog for a walk. You know, there's so many different options. You could put on a song and dance for a little bit. That's a great idea, actually. Put on a song and just move your body around a little right. bit. Almost anything will suffice as long as you get yourself moving instead of just sluggishly sliding your slippers over to your coffee maker and then plopping yourself down in a seat and checking your Instagram, not the way to start the day. I've done it. I've done it. And I know from experience, it's just not the way to own the day. I love that. You know what I do? I play James Brown and then I dance as I'm cleaning up the apartment. That's it. So I get everything spick and span while getting a workout, while listening to James. Amazing. <laughs> Aubrey, you mentioned that we should hold off on the first morning cup of coffee. Why? Why is that important? Well, what coffee is actually doing is it's actually signaling to the body that it's actually down-regulating the 
part of us that feels sleepy. And one way to wake up in the morning is to do that. But if you do all of these other practices, you won't need it and you'll have energy. But if you don't wait until you've had a little bit of food first, it's going to interact and actually put a lot of stress on your adrenals. It's actually going to put more stress on your body rather than alleviating the stress on your body. And I'm a coffee drinker. I like coffee, but I always wait till I have my first morning breakfast before I go for the coffee. It's going to be better for your stomach. It's going to be better for your acidity to alkalinity. It's going to be better for your adrenals. And really, ideally, if you can wait as long as you can and have that first cup of coffee, maybe after lunch, if you decide that you want to keep plowing through the day without taking a nap, that's a great time for a cup of coffee. But first thing in the morning, it's really pushing your body and starting on this caffeine roller coaster that's far too early than what you actually need. Coffee should be considered it's it's a some it's a cross between a warm hug and a hard drug. And so really making sure that you're using coffee when you really need it right. and not just reaching for it as the first viable solution when there's a ton of other great solutions that'll get you the desired effect you're looking for. Beautifully said. I mean, many experts say that you should wait about an hour after waking up before you have that first cup of coffee. Now, for those of you who are Mind Valley members, the good news is this. If you're a Mind Valley member, odds are when you wake up, you go into meditation. And that meditation could be 20 minutes, it could be 30 minutes. So that meditation actually delays your first coffee intake. So you don't wake up and have a cup of coffee. Because when you wake up for at least the first five minutes, you're in the natural alpha state of mind. This is the perfect time to go into meditation. And if you're a Mind Valley member, you know that we just released 500 meditations on the Mind Valley app. So go open up the Mind Valley app, click on meditations, pull down to refresh, and you will see that every single day for the rest of your life, you'll get a new meditation from Mind Valley. Really cool, huh? So you pick the meditation that you want, or you go with the one that we recommend for that day meditate. It's going to be 20 to 30 minutes. And then don't go to your first cup of coffee. This is when you might exercise. This is when you might drink your water with Himalayan salt and lemon. You might shower. You might wrestle naked. You might go and get some sunlight. And then 60 minutes later, you get your coffee. So the meditation delays the coffee intake. And if you start doing this on a regular basis, you will not crave coffee as soon as you wake up. You really don't want to do that because it affects your body's natural regulation. So, Aubrey, what next? So I love these tips. What would you say, uh, and I know a lot of people watching are going to start with this tip on water. Mind Valley people really take this advice seriously and they implement it fast. But what next? What would be some of the other powerful ideas you would suggest that we stack into our day? There are two natural resources that are some of the most powerful resources we have available at our disposal. And those resources are cold and our breath. And these resources are free. You know, you can, of course, buy a cold plunge, I suppose, but most of us can just turn the shower nozzle cold. And for those of us who take showers in the morning, which is a lot of us, the advantage of taking a cold shower while doing some breathing practices, you may have heard of Wim Hof, and he's mm -hmm. made this very famous, but there's some amazing benefits to doing it. So not only the benefits of the breath. So when you start taking these deep breaths, and I'll take a couple deep breaths so people can understand what that looks like. You breathe all the way in, and then you just let it flow out. You don't need to push it out, just all the way in, expanding from your belly to your chest 
all the way through your throat. When you take 30 to 50 of these breaths, and that's the oxygen is going to start to flood through your body. It's going to start to change your acidity to alkalinity. You're going to start to feel some tingles, maybe through your hands, maybe through your head. And it's really going to start to change your physiology and your psychology in a really positive way. But other than that, it's also going to prepare you for what comes next, which is the cold shower. And you might have a cold plunge. And if you do, that's phenomenal. But there's so many benefits to the cold. There's benefits to inflammation. There's benefits to stress. There's benefits to immunity. There were studies about swimmers who would swim in cold water versus people who didn't expose themselves to cold water. And they were so much more resistant to the common cold, to the flu, to any condition out there because it's what's called a hormetic stressor. Mm -hmm. It's putting your body in a challenging position so that the body can adapt and respond and also dropping your stress levels, dropping your inflammation levels. There's so many benefits to it. But all of those physical benefits aside, one of the great benefits of going into the cold is to show yourself that you can and just to remind yourself how powerful a being that you are. When you go and you look at that cold shower nozzle, there's a moment where you have to decide, eh, am I going to be comfortable? Am I going to do the easy thing? Or do I have the courage to just put my hand on that shower nozzle and turn it cold? And when you do that, you learn something about yourself. And every time you do that, you learn a little something more about yourself. And you say, I'm stronger than the forces that are driving me to be comfortable. I'm more powerful than I believed I was before I did this. And the more you do that, the more you actually train yourself to be stronger, to be more resilient, to be psychologically more courageous. So there's so many reasons that I recommend this. And this is also, you know, besides the steps in the morning, one of the most important things that I recommend, because this skill is universal. It applies to when you're procrastinating about that work project that you have, or that, that thing you need, or when you find yourself in a difficult position and need to push through something that's hard, you can learn from all of the times that you turn that shower nozzle cold, you can say, I got this. Like, I know who I am. I know that I'm tough enough. I'm strong enough and I'm courageous enough to make my way through this. So I can't understate the value of this practice. That's amazing. Now, if one were to start cold showering, how do we begin? How do we get in the groove of this? So the tip that I have, and this is the pro tip that I actually learned even after the book. So you take your 30 to 50 breaths and you get those going and you don't, you don't need to push it too far. Sometimes in Wim Hof or deep breath work, a lot of us have a breath work practice. We'll do it lying down 30 to 50 breaths should get it. And then you go to the shower and there's one way you can do it. You can either start hot and then move to cold. But I actually find that if you turn the shower nozzle cold and you just get the top of your head in the water, Something happens called the mammalian dive reflex when cold water interacts with our eye sockets. And if you actually just allow the water to hit the top of your head and your eyes, your body will start to naturally acclimatize to the cold and it gets way easier. So if you take about six deep breaths worth of time with just the water on the top of your head running down your face, and that protects your body because the body is the part that's actually the hardest, you know, thinking about letting the cold water hit your chest or your sides or your back or running down your neck, 
that's actually the most difficult. But once you get your head in, your body starts to get used to it. And it really makes it a lot easier to just get into the cold shower. And then once you're in there, your goal should be to be in there for two to three minutes. That's where you're going to start to see the physiological benefit. Two to three minutes. So how I learned to get used to the cold shower was started with 20 seconds. And mm -hmm. that first 20 seconds going to be a little bit painful. But very rapidly, the, the next day, you can go up to 30 seconds. And within a week, mm -hmm. you can be up to a minute. And then you just keep extending it. So it's something that we highly recommend. And I heard this from Ronan, actually, that science is also showing that cold showers get your body to tap into certain types of fat that your body tends to store. And it allows you to burn this fat that's otherwise kind of stuck on you. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, it's called brown adipose tissue. That's and it, so right. the, the cold actually stimulates the metabolic process that starts to actually burn away the brown adipose tissue, which is basically a, a fancy way of saying baby fat. So yeah. this is a way to actually stimulate your body in a variety of different ways. So if you're looking for the aesthetic benefit, you might be able to get that as well from the cold shower or cold immersion practice. Wow. Do you know roughly what percentage of fat that we carry might be brown adipose tissue? It's different for every person. This is typically fat that we've mm -hmm. kept for a long time, right? So this is fat that we've had since we were younger. And that's often where the brown adipose tissue is. So, you know, if you've carried a little weight for, you know, a good portion of your life, there's a good likelihood that you're going to have a good amount of brown adipose tissue. But if you've kind of been fairly slender and put on a lot of weight later, you might not have as much, but the ratio really depends on, on the individual. Beautiful. Now let's talk about breath. Uh, you mentioned breath as well. Uh, tell us about breath work. Breath work has been one of the most significant practices of my life. For those who followed my story, I've been on the psychedelic and plant medicine pathway since I went on a vision quest when I was 18 years old. So that was 22 years ago. And I obviously have a lot to say about that path. I think there's a lot of virtue, but it's not for everybody. There's, you know, you really need to be called to that type of work and you need to be, it needs to be something that you're really ready for. But breath work is in many ways just as powerful at actually starting to move some of the storage of traumatic events, stored emotions. You know, there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score. And in that book, it talks about how not all of the things that we go through psychologically have a physical residue. And the thing that I find consistently about breathwork practice is it will actually start to move some of that energy. It'll start to move some of those emotions. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a breathwork practice. And that's similar to what I was explaining for the breaths before the shower, but many, many more. And many more of those breaths, usually lying down and also with some breath holds in there as well. So you do that type of deep breathing for five to up to 15 minutes straight, and then you'll do a breath lock. And that breath lock can be at the top of your breath or the bottom of your breath. This is starting to get a little bit technical, but in either case, you breathe like that for a while, the tingles are going to come, you're going to feel a flush of energy, and you'll start to feel emotions start to rise through your body. And the key is just to let those emotions go even if you don't know where they're coming from. Right. This is just your body releasing something that it hasn't gotten to release. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a breathwork practice thinking 
everything is good. I feel great. And then all of a sudden, there'll just be these tears, these sobs that start to well up from my chest. And I'm starting to release them. And I just keep crying. And, and I don't know where it's coming from. But I finish. And I feel like I've had the biggest release. And sometimes there'll be a thought associated. But many times, this is just the body going through like a, an energetic and emotional maintenance cycle. So I really recommend exploring a breathwork practice and in some way or form, you can look up something like a shamanic breath practice. You know, I have a, a community where I share some guided breath works. It's called the Fit for Service Academy. It's an app where I share it. But there's so many different opportunities for great breathwork practices that'll start to move a lot of stored energy and stored emotion and can really connect you with your higher purpose. Your, you know, in many cases, I've had even visions from the breath work as well. So it's one of my favorite practices to recommend. And I don't think there's anyone that I wouldn't recommend some type of breath work practice to. Amazing, Aubrey. We now have a couple of questions from the audience. So great. the first one is from Tracy Furrer. Uh, can we bring Tracy up as a panelist? Hi, everybody. Hi, Your Tracy. Your book, um, Aubrey, is very easy read and great stuff in it. And you've got great humor. So thank you for that. And my question is about the circadian dip in the afternoon. And how can you counter that? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's two options. You can either fight it or you can go with it. So some of the practices, if you're going to fight it, well, that might be a time to get some movement in. That might be a time to actually start to use your body to get your energy moving. And there's some different breath practices that you can actually use to build energy. So that's a longer inhale and a shorter exhale. So you can use breath to, you know, excite your nervous system and get yourself moving. You can use actual movement that might work. You can actually go to the cold at that time. So those are all, you could go to caffeine, of course, or if nicotine is part of your practice, you could go to one of these things to fight it. And that's what most of us do. But that's not what I recommend. What I recommend is that you don't fight it, that you take a 30-minute nap. This is the most important thing I can do at any day. Don't fight it. Even if you have a one-hour lunch break, all you need is 30 minutes to just allow yourself, even if, it's, even if you don't fall completely asleep, Dr. Andrew Huberman calls it non-sleep rest. So even if you just rest and just kind of lightly enter that liminal space between wake and asleep, for 30 minutes. It's like a hard reset for your whole mind, for your whole nervous system. And I feel so much better when I do it that way versus trying to fight the natural urges that the body is showing me. That's really true. If you study a program on Mind Valley with Nuriyal, a program on becoming focused and indistractable, Nuriyal, who is the master of, of productivity training, and by the way, he's also speaking next. So you get to choose between Niraj Naik or Nuriyal. But nurse says that we can focus for about three and a half hours before we need to give ourselves a break if we want to get back to optimal productivity. And napping is a great way. Now, NASA did a study on napping, and NASA found that the optimal time for napping is roughly around 22 to 23 minutes. And they found that if you nap for 22 to 23 minutes, the productivity gain when you emerge from that nap is roughly 30%. NASA obviously tested this because they wanted to see the impact of napping on astronauts. Now, what NASA said is they suggested not going beyond 22 to 23 minutes because it might affect your sleep later that night. 
but 22 to 23 minutes napping is great. In Mind Valley, Aubrey, we have napping pods for our employees. So our employees who need to take Perfect. an afternoon nap, we have napping pods for them to dive right in. That study is great. And there's even more studies that show that napping is more effective than coffee, more effective than even sleeping longer at night. You know, so they measured people who slept eight hours versus seven hours or six and a half. Well, the people who took who slept six and a half and napped for that, you know, optimal window and, and 30 minutes is, is rough because it usually takes you a little while to get relaxed and it takes you a little while to actually come out. So, you know, that 22 to 23 minutes, that's that's perfect. But it's difficult to know actually when you're at, yeah. when you're getting in there. So I just say 30 minutes as a general rule, but that's absolutely on the money. But it's it's such a crucial thing to add in. And, and again, there's a lot of great tips here, but this is, you know, for sure one of the best. Absolutely. Tracy, there's no reason to have to fight that desire to nap. Now, the next question is from a person who is not actually currently live. So I'll read it out, but it's a great question. Aubrey, what about fasting? Won't lemon knock you out of your fasted state? And a follow-up question is, um, well, if we shouldn't take coffee before our first meal, what about if we are doing intermittent fasting? What then? Both great questions. So, you know, fasting is a general term and there's a variety of different ways that you can look at fasting. Intermittent fasting is one way and that could be just condensing your eating window to eight hours a day. Or it could be taking one or two days off a week. There's a lot of different fasting styles. The fasting that actually I think is most important is metabolic fasting. So, fasting from things that actually impact your metabolism. And lemon is not going to impact your metabolism in any way that's actually noticeable. You know, it has very little carbohydrate. It's mostly just enzymes and vitamins and nutrients that are just going to come through that squeeze of lemon juice. So it won't knock you out of your fast. Now, if you squeeze an orange into your water, that would because the orange contains all of the fructose from the fruit that makes it sweet. And that's actually going to start to impact your metabolism. So to answer that first question, the lemon does not knock you out of your fast and in any significant way. Now there's certain spiritual practices and spiritual fasts and water fasts that are very pure. And this is more of a different concept than a metabolic fast. So if you're just going for a metabolic fast and the benefits of a metabolic fast, which is to give your metabolism a rest and a chance to cycle through and detoxify, the lemon won't knock you out of that. As far as intermittent fasting, I think there's a couple different ways to look at it. And you know, one of the ways to look at it is to just start your window. You can obviously start your feeding window earlier. And so maybe wake up, go through your practices, and then maybe about 10 o'clock you have what I like to do and what I have right here in this, in this cup, it's like a blended cocoa. So I put some butter, I put some cashew butter, I put a little bit of protein and I put some hot water and some cacao and I blend that up. And that takes me for the first couple hours. Then I'll have a nice, what I describe in my book, a weird lunch. I'll try to eat a variety of different foods, really giving myself access to as many nutrients as possible. And then if I'm in an intermittent fasting protocol, I'm going to make sure that if I had my first blended hot cocoa, hot cacao at 10 o'clock, well, I'm going to make sure that I have my dinner nice and early, 5, 5.30. And the benefit of that as well is that you don't really want to be digesting as you're sleeping. You know, that's not going to be 
helpful for your optimal rest. So if that's the way that I like to put my window is from, you know, about 10 to six and make sure that I get all of my food in during that stretch. And then you'll start to get the benefits of that 16 hours where your body has a rest from having to do any digestive processes and can start the daily housekeeping and cleaning that's really effective for weight management and also energy levels and focus and clarity. I mean, so many benefits to intermittent fasting. Amazing. Amazing. I'm so glad you shared that. I'm big on intermittent fasting. For those of you who are Mind Valley members, good news is this. Beyond Fasting, our program on fasting will drop on Mind Valley membership in less than three weeks. It's created by none other than Ronan Diego, who is a genius at health optimization. He's also the Brazilian guy with the biceps who's been hosting this event, in case you forgot. So one of the things I learned from Ronan is I fast four days a week. Three of those four days, I do a 16-hour fast. And one of those four days, I do a 20 to 22-hour fast. Now, that is what you do as as a male. If you're female, you actually have a different approach. So don't imitate that if you're a woman. But incidentally, Aubrey, what what I learned from Ronan is that to help me do my 20 to 22 hour fast, water with Himalayan salt and lemon turns out Mm -hmm. actually helps you go through that fasted state. So it actually, both of these systems are really complementary. Absolutely. And the salt is huge because that actually, without that, your body's going to have it's going to be so craving food because it wants the salt from the food. Because again, we're a saltwater animal. We're breathing out saltwater air and breathing in dry air. And so unless we start to replenish the salt, the body is going to be craving that in a major way and driving you towards breaking your fasts. And so, you know, adding a little bit of that salt and some lemon, it's a great solution for fasting. Absolutely. And those of you who take Beyond Fasting, the quest will drop July you will learn how to actually, how Himalayan salt and water can actually help you go through that fasted state in a much easier way. So you gain all the benefits of fasting without some of the pain. So I'm really excited to get that out to you guys. So Aubrey, as we come to the tail end of this conversation, what would be your closing message for everyone here? The closing message, I think, is that we all hardly even know what we're capable of. There's so much more that's possible for us, and it takes one step at a time to start to unlock it. But when you go through this process and start to weave in all of these optimization practices and each one stacks on top of another one, pretty soon you're going to be so far from the person that you once knew that you're going to be really living a different life. But it just starts with one simple choice, one step, one thing that you do. And then maybe to the next thing and then to the next thing. But why not? Why not see what we're ultimately capable of? Why not find out what is possible for us? Why not decide how much energy we have or how much focus we can bring or how much joy we can have or how much play we can have? You know, when we have that energy and we have that vitality, it's so much easier to have a laugh and and just be spontaneous and enjoy our life. But when we're wrestling with ourselves and wrestling with our energy and we're eating food that isn't great for us and then we have to recover from the food and then we're reaching to more caffeine and reaching to all of these things, it's like we're constantly in a wrestling match with ourselves. But instead of wrestling, what if we were just flying like we're on a hang glider and just soaring through our day 
And that's what's possible. It's possible for all of us. And it just takes the dedication and the information to go one step at a time and reach that, you know, ultimate human potential. Amazing, Aubrey. Thank you so much. It was so great having you on this program, on the summit. And remember, guys, check out Own Your Day, Own Your Life, an amazing book by Aubrey Marcus. Aubrey, thank you. And thank you guys for joining us today. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.